Hi everyone, welcome back to the Career Medis podcast. This is your host Nisar Ahmed. Uh, this is episode 105 and uh, this episode is part of the A Day in the Life of series. In each of these episodes, what I've done is I've in- conducted interviews with individuals from a particular career or profession. The goal of these episodes, if you're joining for the first time, the goal of these particular episodes is just to give someone who's new or on the outside an inside scoop of what is happening in a particular career. And for today's episode, I'm speaking with someone who's an interior designer. Our guest, Darcy Heather, will be sharing her experience, how she got started in this profession, uh, where she stands today, some of the things that she enjoys, some of the challenges, etc. So just to give you a very high-level introduction, I'm sure we'll learn from our guests more. But Darcy Heather is an award, award-winning interior designer and decorator, specializing in full-service luxury interior design and renovation. Hey, Darcy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Did I say your name correct? Yes, you did. <laughs> thank you. I always wanted to make sure that is the case. Before we jump in to your role and also to get to know you, a question I always like to ask, a fun question for my audience is, where are they calling from? I am in New York City. Wow. I, I can't remember, but I have had tons of guests from New York, of course, being a popular destination. And everybody tells me something different each time I ask them. So I'm going to ask you the same question here. Like, uh, of course, everyone on the, myself included, everyone who's been to New York, anyone around the world knows a lot about New York. But mm-hmm. for just for the rest of us, uh, could you share a fun fact about New York that most people would not know unless they have lived there? Oh, a fun fact. Well, a fun fact that a lot of people who even do live here don't know is there's so many secrets inside Central Park. I think, you know, it's a very popular tourist destination, but they always kind of tend to stick to this one area, you know, like the southern part of the park. I happen to be on the Women's Committee for Central Park, uh, the Conservancy, and there are some amazing places, especially north of the park. There's one called the North Woods, and when you're there, you literally don't even know you're in the city. It's your surround. It's like you're in the forest, and it's all preserved. There's, oh my gosh... It's an incredible gift that we have to live in the city and have this space to this green space that a lot, not a lot of many people know about. And a few weeks ago, actually, I had posted some pictures and I'd written about it on my Facebook page. And I couldn't believe how many people, New Yorker friends of mine, had said, I didn't even know this place existed. I didn't even know it was there. So I'm all about Central Park. <laughs> I could talk about it for hours. That's an amazing fun fact because. I've been to New York multiple times and I've always missed Central Park. And I said to myself, that's a place I need to go. But it's interesting to know that there are people within New York who do, who do not know about the hidden secrets. So that's fascinating. Yeah, there's, there's a ton of things to do. The other one really quick one, that every summer the Philharmonic does a free concert in the park. They actually go to all the boroughs. So it's usually one week long. But what's so great about it is you can bring your picnic, bring your wine, you have this beautiful outdoor concert. And then when it's all said and done, you turn around and they blow off this amazing fireworks show that it like blows off. So you're in the park 
looking at fireworks with the scene of New York City as a background. And it's it's quite spectacular. Not many people know about that either. Mm-hmm. So, well, that sounds great. So, no, that's amazing. <laughs> so, mo- uh, moving into our interview, before we get into the whole role of uh, interior design, I'd love to get, uh, get to know a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started in this particular profession. That's a great question. It's I kind of came to it in a way by accident, but when you take into consideration my childhood, it was kind of so obvious why didn't it happen this way. So when I was growing up, my parents were very accommodating, if you will. It was not uncommon for them to come home and for me to have rearranged the entire living room or for me to have rearranged my bedroom, reorganized all the bookshelves with all the different little trinkets and accessories and one of my favorite places to go when we were a little, when I was a little girl is there was a store called Ethan Allen and they had these kind of like rooms set up. So there'd be like one would be a living room here and the next would be a bedroom and they might all be in different styles of of design. And I would, I could just, you could have dropped me off and left me there all day. It would have been like my absolute playground because I would just imagine who lived there and how you would entertain in the space. And then in high school, I had taken a, uh, an interior design. It was an elective course, and it was great. I, I enjoyed it. But at that time, I just never, it never connected the dots that this was actually a career. And I had gone off to college kind of not knowing what I was going to do. I, I knew I was going to get my major, the general education, out of the way. And while I was there, I'll take a class on this to see maybe if I want to go into psychology. If I, I think there was a time I thought about doing something like paralegal. And I had a friend who was going to um, design school and he was working, it was his first semester. And as most design schools where you start off, the very first class that you take is a very kind of overview of design. And a typical course, at least when I was in school, was they would give you a um, parameters. They would say, here's a house. There's, it's a couple. They're in their 50s. They have a dog. They like to entertain. And so they would give you this kind of parameters and then you were going to design around it. And he had come over to my apartment and was showing me this, this, his part of his, his process or project. And I was looking, and I said, Oh, well, what if you did this here? And, and, Oh, I really like this, but have you thought about doing this? And he kind of looked at me and he goes, why are you doing this? And it was literally one of those lightning bolt moments of, why am I not doing this? I don't, it, to me, it was one of those things like it just, it was kind of play. It's something that I really, really enjoyed doing. I just never thought of it as, hey, this is a potential career path. And so I remember the, that very next semester, I enrolled in the local design school and th- there was no turning back after that. It was, I was full force into school. It was a two and a half year program and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. That's amazing. So you have a unique story because you got across, you got some hints across your life, then eventually it became, it just connected with what you had a little bit of interest in. So that's amazing because a lot of the times I, when I do these interviews, I guess, you know, even in the early twenties, I'm not sure. And then I speak to them many years later, it just becomes a nonlinear career path. So you're one of the few exceptions, which is great because the, I could tell by looking at your website, you have built a very uh, big practice around it. That means it, it it comes across your excitement and passion for what you do. Well, thank you. So, of course, that begs the next question. 
before I ask what a day-to-day of an interior designer looks like, some of us, including myself, have an idea. So maybe you can help us out. What does an interior designer actually do on a very high level? Because a lot of us have watched HGTV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, usually they staging and all that. That's where that's the extent most individuals have. Mm-hmm. I know there's more to that. So oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> there is so much more. And I feel like for a, a lot of times there's this misconception that we pet pretty fabrics and we pick pretty sofas and, and, you know, it's all very fabulous and, and, and it is fabulous. And I do love what I do, but there is a ton of work involved. And yes, it is true that we do get to pick these beautiful furnishings and fabrics and patterns and colors and present them to the client. But kind of for the day to day, there's a lot of, A, there's a lot of business that's behind it. So there's kind of a saying in the industry where it's, you know, 10 to 20% design and 80 to 90% business. And what that means is, you know, when we go into ordering, which is what I do, we do in our firm, I'm a full service, high scale, high residential design firm, we take your project from conception to completion. And completion for my firm means that you could literally walk in with your toothbrush and, and we're done. And that's kind of what's required of our clients is to show up at the end. I mean, obviously they're there along the way, but so when we, we present, we, you know, we go out, we source everything, we present everything. And once that's all buttoned up and we have all the, all of our selections in order, we know what we're going to be, all the furnishings, all the fixtures, everything. We then go into all the order placement, order tracking, vendor communications, communicating with our receiver, the installation. My firm, we do, I specialize in doing gut renovations. That's kind of one of my, my sweet spots. So if, we're, if it is a, a project where we are doing gut renovation, while all of the procurement is happening, simultaneously, we're overseeing the job site. So we're going, we're having weekly meetings with the contractor, making sure that all of the specifications that we have put in place beforehand that we presented to the client and that we've all signed off on are actually being implemented. So for example, this past week, we're in the middle of uh, one project right now. It's a gut renovation. The client happens to actually live overseas. So we are their eyes. We are always their eyes. Uh, a lot of times our clients, even if they live in the city, can't make their appointments because, or make these weekly appointments because you know they're, they work, they have busy lives. But for this client in particular, they are overseas. And so it's even more crucial that we are keeping them in the loop as to what happens. So we do weekly meeting notes. All those get written in the field. And then once we get back to the office, they're typed up, sent off to not only the contractor, but then to the client as well. So everybody is staying informed as to what's happened, what questions may have come up during our site visits, what questions were answered during our site visit. So this past week, we were there and the plumbing had gone in, the plumbing inspection had been passed, they're getting ready to close up the walls, and the contractor is starting to ask me questions about the curb detail for the shower and where, how I want my grout lines or where I want my grout lines to fall in relation to the, the shower fittings. So there is a lot that happens behind the scenes and... You know, I'm a, we're very detailed here in my office. And so 
So there is a lot of, it's not just all the pretty stuff. There's a lot of uh, meat that goes in behind creating something that ultimately we hope our clients are extremely happy with, you know, aesthetically and design wise. So what I'm hearing, Darcy, is not just going into a home and telling this is what you do, but it's also the actual implementation, the planning mm-hmm. comes together. What do you describe right now? You described a particular situation. Is that your typical day-to-day or is, does that vary on based on projects? Well, we have, anytime we're doing a renovation project, we always have a weekly site visit. So we might not have five renovation projects going at the same time, which would then obviously not require me to be on, you know, say that there was one a day. Currently, we have two that are going on. So I have a Tuesday meeting every Tuesday at nine, and I have a Thursday meeting at 1030. So those are going on right now. The Thursday job is going to be finishing up here in about another month and a half. And so that meeting will open up and that meeting time will open up. So that is typical. When we do have a renovation project, we're definitely on site at least once a week. Sometimes it's required that we need to be back there. The the contractor might say, you know, I really need you on site again because of, you know, there's a on-site situation that's happening. For example, like when they do the tile, we might start, they might start getting ready to lay out the tile, but then once the the actual tile layer is there, they want to just recap really quickly because once that tile goes up, it's not coming back down unless, you know, without a major expense involved. So we want to get that right. So when we do have a renovation project, definitely that is a, a weekly visit. Aside from that, in my office, there's, again, depending on how this, this stage of the project, we could be working on drawings on a Monday, order placing on Tuesday, for me, there's a lot of, there's still a bunch of marketing that, I'm been, that I do during the week or client relations in terms of past clients and current clients, making sure that those communication lines are open and flowing and also then sourcing. So being making sure that I'm current, even if it's not a particular project that we're working on right now, what's new in the marketplace? Let me go out to, let me go to a, a showroom that I haven't been to in a while just to see what they might have. So that when that next client does come to us and they say, you know, I, I really like, I don't know, chartreuse. And I can say, oh, I just saw the most amazing chartreuse rug at this vendor that we like to work with. So it's also just keeping current on what's happening, what's out there alongside keeping all of our client projects current. So you've described uh, quite a few roles or tasks within what you do, which are some of the... Uh, of all the things that you do, what are some of the things that you really enjoy the most? Like if, let's say that if you were to pick top two or three things that you enjoy more than others. Oh, that's easy. The, the very first part, which is the, the selection process and the kind of curating all these items together, getting ready for the presentation and the presentation. I, I love that. And once all that is signed off on and the client is ready to go, a lot of that does get sent over to my senior designer and my admin person. So I don't have a lot of interaction with that. When I was a solo entrepreneur, I was running all of it. But now I'm focused on you know, business development. And there's a lot of a host of other things that I'm focused on. But the other part, the other favorite, favorite part is install day, which is can be a couple days. Watching them deliver furniture is always exciting. It's kind of like Christmas for me. But then the the part that really does just kind of make me so happy is when we get to style it. 
bringing in all those finishing touches, putting the client's kind of personality in there, whether it's through their their artwork that they've collected over the years, some family photos, coffee table books that are sentimental to them, and just styling everything and putting it all together. That's that's the other part. So kind of the bookend of a day-to-day interior designer. So let me ask you this question on the flip side. What are some of the things that you don't enjoy or you find really challenging? Oh, gosh. Well, I don't do them anymore. <laughs> so that's, that's part of it. So when I wasn't on a solo and I didn't have any design help, there was a satisfaction of getting all the orders placed, kind of checking that off my to-do list. But the actual task of doing it, it it's, I, I, always said, I always said I had to be in my happy place, meaning like I had to be fully caffeinated. I had to do it first thing in the morning because it does require a, a ton of brain power. And I had to just put blinders on and completely focus. And when I finished the task, it was, it was great. And it's a great sense of accomplishment, but it's something that it cannot, you definitely need to have, you know, all eyes on the project you can't be distracted. That's where mistakes happen and they can be costly mistakes and you just, you just don't want that. So it's part of the, one of the least favorite things. And luckily I have two awesome girls in my office that now you know, pretty much take over that part of the job. Okay. No, that makes sense. And that's what happens right initially when you start off, you're always doing multiple things. You have to do everything. Yes. Your career, business, then you have other people take care of it. Yeah. Um, okay. So now I wanted to switch gears. So someone listening to this, or maybe they have already been interested, had that interest of becoming an interior designer. If they ask you this question, you know, how do they get started? What would you say? I I do recommend, although I, I do recommend at least taking that intro class that I spoke of earlier, because I do think it gives a kind of a good overview of a typical design project, whether or not somebody is going to continue schooling, I don't necessarily think that it's, it's a must. It kind of depends on what level design you're wanting to do or what you're capable of. I, out of school, I worked for a gentleman who had no formal design education and he was extremely talented. Everything he touched was just exquisite. He was, he was so creative and so talented. However, the one thing that I would highly recommend if anybody's thinking about going out on their own is, and I wish they would have taught this in, in um, design school, is to take a business course. Because there is, it's not all pretty, you know, the, the, pet, the petting of the pretty fabrics. There is a lot of business involved. And knowing how to have procedures in place, knowing how to have general sense of bookkeeping knowledge, I don't necessarily think that you have to be, the, in fact, I don't recommend it. I do recommend partnering with a good bookkeeper, somebody who can, who can kind of oversee everything. But you need to know your numbers, you don't want to just blindly pass it off to somebody because you, you know, those are your numbers. You want to make sure that you are not being taken advantage of or anything like that. But I would just, I would recommend definitely at least taking the first course. And then I also recommend working for somebody. There's so, you can get so much information by working in either another, a design firm or with a designer. And if you can just be a sponge and learn and keep your eyes open and your ears open and and hear what works in some cases, what doesn't work so that you have a really good, well-rounded understanding of what it's like to, to work as an interior designer. 
That's a good advice. And I mean, I think any, any profession, like you, you have the technical skills, but it's always useful to have the business skills. Yes, absolutely. You didn't mention about the intro class, but I, that brings up the next question. Does someone need a degree or a certification to get started as, as an interior designer? No. Currently, there's no, what do you want to call it? Like certification that says that you have to have done something or, you know, gone through so much schooling to call yourself. I think in some states, and you'd have to check to see what it is. Some states, I think by law, you can call yourself a decorator, not a designer, because a designer does does stipulate that you've gone to design school, you have graduated with a design degree. But no, you can be have an innate talent and um, hang out a shingle. Actually, I should have asked this question at the beginning and you brought this up right now. You mentioned the word decorator and I've mm-hmm. just used interchangeably. So it sounds like there is a big difference between an interior designer and a dec- decorator. Could you expand on that? For me, one of the major differences is a decorator and a designer where I think we're the same is that you have a good eye, you can, you have a good sense of scale. And by that, I mean, you know, what size of, you know, you want, does this sofa look good next to this chair? Are they of the same style, the same size? Do they work within the space? You can pick fabrics for, you know, a a plaid over here and a floral here and a stripe there and, and it all looks great together. But when we get into design, I believe that there's a lot more technical aspects to it, especially like if you're talking about a gut renovation or sometimes even custom furniture or custom built-ins. There's a level of detail that some decorators, I don't think, and I don't think that they necessarily also want that because it is a, a decorating job could run three to six months. A design job can run 18 months. I've, I've had them run 18, almost two years for a couple of projects that we were working on that were ground up construction. So there's a, a, a more detail involved and usually typically a, a longer running job, job time frame. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. So the next question I have is, let's say someone gets started as an interior designer. What does a career path look like for them? Where can this take them? Oh my goodness. There's so many different avenues. You, I mean, assuming, are we assuming that they've gone off on their own or is they, are they working for somebody else? Okay. Let's say someone, let's say going back to your beginning of the career, let's say you decided to, someone like you decides to become an interior designer. Mm-hmm. They might join a small firm. They start working there. And maybe that's where a lot of the audience is today, right? They are young professionals. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where they're getting started. But they also want to know, okay, in the next five or 10 years or even longer, where can I go? I, I mean, the sky's the limit, and I really think it depends on a person's particular, what they're drawn to, meaning that you can go into, there's commercial design, hospitality, people, uh, there's firms that really niche down and focus on retail stores, even jewelry stores. That's its own kind of animal for some, for some firms, boutique hotels, residential, hospitality. Oh my gosh, I'm losing the word like hospitals. That's what I'm trying to find. There's all those different avenues. And then within them, even if it was just straight out interiors for residential, if you were, you could either be an interior designer that focuses on the whole house, or from there you could niche down as a kitchen and bath designer, or that you're working in a specific field, furniture design, carpet design. Even there's designers that focus solely on the plumbing fixtures, like the handles, the, the plumbing handle or the plumbing faucet. So there's really 
the sky's the limit in terms of where you could potentially go. It's more what kind of motivates you on the inside. I have lots of design friends and or friends in the industry, I should say. And one of my girlfriends is very much into hospitality. And within her, the realm that she works, it's more of the, she's a client interfacing with the, the, with the hotel owner. So she's more overseeing a project and that's where she likes, she, she knows and understands design and she loves, she loves design, but she likes more of the project management side of it. You could get into more of the AutoCAD end of it, which is the drawing and more of the technical or even renderings. If you love to do renderings, there's 3D renderings now. And the kids that are coming out of school today are incredible. They can run circles around me with their 3D rendering skills. So there's, if that's something that they're passionate about, there's, there's definitely space in the industry for, and growth for that individual. That's no, that's great. That's great to hear. And I mean, that's a question everybody has and sounds like, as you mentioned in one word, like sky's the limit, right? That's correct. Yeah. And I think there's also something to be said about Coming out of school, knowing your own, knowing one's own personality and where, where they're comfortable and where they're, what they're willing to kind of take on. I've had a girl working with me for, she's been with me for almost seven years and she loves being kind of this senior designer in my firm. She also sees the day-to-day challenges that I can face as a business owner. And she has, she doesn't want to have any part in that. She likes working her Monday through Friday, nine to five. She leaves at five, you know, five fifteen, and she leaves her work at the door. And that's great. Whereas sometimes I take it home with me, at least in my head, if not physically. So also knowing what it is that you're, that you're wanting to get out of it and finding that either that company or that firm that's going to support you for the level of the level that you want to take your career. Some people are meant to be entrepreneurs. Others, they are perfectly well-suited and they rise and shine inside a, a firm as, a, as part of a team. So Darcy, the final question I have for you is, you've given a lot of insights, but one thing I want to leave our audience with is, what is one final piece of advice that you'd like to give to someone who wants to get into this profession? Find a mentor if you can. Find somebody, the, the industry has has been evolving and changing the last several, I don't know, probably the last three to five years. And we're a giving community. So find a mentor, somebody that can help you along your way, that can expose you to either vendors or industry people that can guide you through the process and and be a, a sounding board for you. And the other piece of advice I think I'd mentioned earlier Work for somebody and just be a sponge. Keep your ears and eyes open and watch everything that you possibly can because there's, there's, it's kind of like, I call it continuing education, but this, instead of going to school where you're paying for school, you're actually getting kind of paid while you're getting, while you're getting additional education. So I do highly recommend it. And it's one of those, if you're interested in something, try and find a job in that field. You know, one of the jobs I had, I actually worked for a furniture manufacturer. That was extremely eye-opening for me, and it's kind of a tool that I have in my tool belt that I can talk very knowledgeably to a client when I'm explaining what makes up a good sofa or a chair because I got to be behind the scenes and I got to see firsthand what a quality piece looks like and, and why it costs what it does. There, that was a huge, valuable learning curve for me, and I was working you know, in this 
as a, with a furniture manufacturer. So, you know, if you can bounce around to, and find some things in that, in that line of work that you're considering, I think that it's just, it's extremely valuable and will serve you well in the future. Thank you very much. That's a great advice. And I think that that's an overarching advice for any profession. Finding a mentor can save you years of experimentation and learning by yourself. Absolutely. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing your story, Path of the Interior Designer. It is very refreshing and very insightful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be on your show. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone, for listening to yet another episode of the Career Metis podcast. I've written a brief summary of the interview with show notes, which you can find on careermetis.com. You can always find these episodes on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, feel free to post a comment or review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this amongst your network. Until next time, this is your host, Nisar Ahmad. Thank you.